Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnuck. We are delighted that this week our guest is one Angel Yin. You know her as 22-year-old from Los Angeles. She won the Dubai uh, LET event years ago. She's been a stalwart on a couple of Solheim Cups and just a delightful presence, as you shall see. So, Angel, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. Um, so what inspired you to say yes to this invitation? I mean, you must have tremendous fear and, and discomfort. You know, you're, you're, you're coming in here. You're going to get double teamed by me and Christina. Like, it's quite brave Gross. of you. <laughs> well, Christina asked me and I was like, you got to say yes. You know, you can't say no. I asked she, so nicely too. I was yeah. like, Angel, I've got a podcast going. I would love to have you as a guest. It wasn't like, yo, Angel, this date we're going to air. Come on. You got to yeah. do it. No, it's, yeah, it's great. I'm, I, I'm happy to be on. I'm happy to be asked to be on. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I have no idea what's gonna, what we're going to talk about. So Same that's these. also exciting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> That, that that's how we roll around here it's just it's it's uh completely uh spur of the moment i think it lends itself to a little more fun but why don't you give us an update on your season so far how you're feeling about your game um your life uh just just bring bring the listeners into your world a little bit if you would tell me everything um, yeah everything so yeah so on game uh the game is feeling pretty good. Uh, obviously, I have an injury right now, so it's tough to play a lot of events in a row. Um, I did play four events in a row, and that was a huge mistake. I mean, you can just see from my score, it just went downhill fast. It, like, dropped off the cliff. It didn't even, like, uh, decline slowly. It just, from on the cliff to down, negative. <laughs> um, so, that lesson learned. Um, I kind of knew something was like that was going to happen, but I just wanted to see where my body was at, and clearly it wasn't where I think it is, which is a little bit healthier. Um, so, but hey, you have to learn from your mistakes. So that's that. Uh, it's unfortunate because kind of ruined my major at KPMG, but uh, at least we got two more left still. Absolutely. What has compelled you to keep going instead of instead of just giving yourself the rest you need? Um, I want to put food on the table. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we don't make I'm sitting here. I'm like, same. Yeah. Um, so, you know, putting a roof over my head and some food on my table. No, but um, I just don't think. I mean, honestly, though, we don't make as much as the guys. That is the harsh reality. And we do not have the privilege to just take two to three months off. I mean, we can if it's that bad, but unless I can't walk, um, it is tough to take that long off because we don't make that much. And we just don't have the privilege to, to take a certain amount of time off um, to completely heal because we live, we do live paycheck by paycheck. And, um, you know, and I, I don't have that many sponsors, so I really do need to play. So everyone's situation is different. I imagine a lot of girls on tour is like that. So you have to just work around it and just be wise about it and, and, and just choose the tournaments you want to play. And this is, and then the second reason is also Solheim Cup year. 
um, and I really want to make the team and I feel like I'm healthy enough to perform for the team and help win back that cup. But at the end of the day, the number one reason is really due to paycheck. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this, this is as raw and truthful as you get because yeah. we don't make that much money. <laughs> <laughs> Right, but I mean, you're also you're spending money to to go out there, at, at, you know. Yeah, I mean, women's. So obviously, it, my, yeah, my percentage of I think me still being able to play at a decent level is there, so that's why I am still going out there to play. Especially since we, we had a year last year, um, it's tough not to play this year. You just have to just play a little bit. It just just fill the listeners in on the injury and and where you stand in in your recovery and and all that. Uh, it's my left shoulder. It's not really one thing. I did take an MRI last year at the end of the year, um, but it doesn't really say anything. So we know it's nerve, definitely. So when it comes to nerve, we just have to rest. But I've been treating it. Uh, it's getting better, which is a lot nicer. But it's not, you can't completely heal, heal unless you rest with nerve. Yeah. I mean, you did finish, you know, what, sixth at Olympic Club, right? So I did. Th- so obviously you can you can swing the club and um, but is it one of those things where it, it feels different every day when you wake up and you don't quite know how the shoulder is going to feel? Yeah, there is that, but also it's more so that there is a certain amount of like lifeline you can use it. You ha- afterwards you have to rest uh, because it just gets too tired. So there is there is that. Yeah, and obviously you know I mean. Angel played great at Olympic Club. That was super exciting to be able to watch. And like she had said earlier, you know, it's just there was a deterioration as the stretch continued to go along. So it's uh, one of those things where it's it's really tough because you know that the ability is there and you know that you can do it. It's just if you're encountering some physical limitations, um, say with with Angel's left shoulder, my L five S L. L5-S1 joint in my spine, things like that. Like as things start to deteriorate, you you get that sense of it, it's so close and it's right there. And because of the way that the schedule is sort of set up, it, it was, you know, you had two majors in four weeks. So in a perfect world, yeah, maybe we'd want to play only three tournaments in a row but that fourth week is the major and you're like, okay, well, if I were to, t-, and then you're like, well, I'm in San Francisco for two weeks. So I'm, I'm already here. Why am I going to take the week after the U S women's open off if we're already there in town? And then it's like, well, do I really want to take the week off before a major? Like there are a ton of different things that you have to think about as opposed to, you know, oh, well, I'll just hop onto my private jet and have my physical therapist sit there and treat me while I'm, you know, while we're, we're up in the air. And as we're taxing on the runway, I'll call my private personal chef and have them prepare something with all of my macros. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that I purchase my food from a specific farmer and I know exactly which chicken is going to be pooping on my plot of land by way of truly knowing exactly where and how my food is sourced and and things like that. So it's uh you know it's it's very rarely especially more so for the women I think than the guys to sit there and just say I'm hurt I need to take time off. There there's so there's just a myriad uh reasons as to why we play when we play. And, um, you know, I, I definitely feel you there, Angel, with having to play with an injury. I, 
you know, I, I joke. I'm like, I'm like, you're like two thirds of my age. And I'm like, I played two thirds more events than you did because I did six on this stretch. Yeah. It's, it's like, I mean, people can make up reasons on all that, but this is the reality and this is the truth. Uh, um, you just, you don't really have a choice. Yeah, of course you have, you always have a choice. You know? Within certain constraints. Yeah. It's just very, very tough. And, you know, Meyer was attempting um, tournament because, you know, everyone's playing. It's such a big purse. Uh, and we haven't really had that big of a purse in a while. So for an open, a smaller event, you're like, well, I want to go play, you know, make some money. It's not that tough of a golf course. Plus, it's a good warm up for the major. But, you know, it, it's it's so tough. At the end of the day, like, if you want the true answer, it's mostly surrounded by money and about money. Um, we can't just take time off. Yeah, so that that stress interests me. I mean, when when you're when you're in this mode and it get, it gets to Friday and say you're around the cut line. I mean, are are you adding up the dollars in your head like oh, I've already spent geez fifteen hundred and seventy dollars this week on on hotels and flights and caddy and uh, I got I got to play the last three holes in two under to get you know to to get a paycheck. Like, how much is it on your mind out there between the ropes? Real quick, if you're spending $1,500 on hotels, flights, and caddies, that means that you're buying your ticket with miles, you're staying with a host family, and you've been eating Chipotle every single day. Like, the, the, those numbers are making a little caddy. skewed. <laughs> right, right. You know what? I've been talking too much to Ryan French about Monday, Monday Q life. I was, doing, I was doing the wrong numbers. But yeah, okay, so double or triple that. I mean, that makes it even more stressful. So, uh, but, but like... In, it, in this mode you're in right now, Angel, how much is that weighing on you? Not terribly much. You can't think like that. If you do think like that, you'll be swamped in your own negativity and the thoughts of all of the stress that's just going to crumble and crush you. But I personally don't think like that. I just know that if I'm at a tournament, I'm going to play my best. Um, and what happens, happens. There's nothing you can control. But obviously, you're going to have to try your best. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I don't really think about that at all um you know it's just it's just not something you want on your mind because that will really crush you and then you get back to the hotel then you think about it <laughs> or you just no you, no, you just turn no, it no, off no, no, no. <laughs> i just oh, yeah. go on youtube and that's it and, and <laughs> instagram and look at cat memes thank you oh, well, yeah. yeah same i mean we're living the same life actually uh, yeah. what what do you watch on youtube I'm, I'm i'm curious about your consumption habits Oh, uh, anything and everything. I mean, I like to watch a lot of, like, Chinese, like, movie reviews where, like, there's this creator that's super funny and, uh, uh, or I like to watch a lot of movie reviews. Um, and then there's, like, weird stuff, like, I was into bonsai for a while, so I was watching a lot of bonsai videos, uh, you know. Do you mean the little trees? Yeah, the little, the old trees, the miniature old trees. And what happens on these videos? They're just trimming them up. I'm fascinated. Yeah, they, so it shows uh, them how they take care of it, uh, how they restore an old, untaken care of bonsai. I mean, the art of bonsai. There's so so many things. I just like bonsai, and it's pretty cool. On Instagram, I just like art. Uh, a lot of follow a lot of artists, and then um, tattoo artists. <laughs> yeah, like you actually watch people getting tattoos. Uh, no, I just like to see the pieces. I mean, they rarely show the process of it, the ones I follow, but most of them just the pieces they've tattooed onto other people. 
I mean, this is a great advertisement for the glamorous life of a professional golfer. You're, you're in a <laughs> budget hotel, stressing about money, watching bonsai videos. There you go. I don't know if those first two things are entirely accurate, Alan. I think uh, you might be. We would have to have an asterisk and say, though, based around actual events, there is, uh, you know, uh, we've had to uh, create some. What what is it that they do where where it's like you know loosely based on actual events? Yeah, based on a true story. Uh, yeah, I can't I'm, agree with you, Alan. I agree with Christine on this one. Okay, I'm sorry. I got I got a little carried away, but um, just because you're stressed about us and our money doesn't mean that we have to be physically, like, consciously stressed yeah. about it. We're we're well, queens I mean, we talk, of compartmentalization. Yeah. yeah. When we talk about stress, it's the truth, but we're not like constantly dwelling on it. Like we just sit there and be like, oh, I'm stressed out. It's not like that, but it's okay. the truth. I mean, it's like thoughts that happen, but it's not something that will just overtake our entire life. Absolutely. Would you agree? Um, we have a lot of fun still. Tell me about Sunday. the fun. I want to hear about the fun. Like what? What is? <laughs> give, give me some. You some look up fun on the, the LPGA, and you'll be able to see the definition is a picture of Angel Yen. Yeah. Aww. And Christina Kim. <laughs> yeah, except uh, I'm like the sober one in the back, just kind of like watching there, being everyone's like mom, designated driver, security detail, uh, you know, the one that's telling like random facts about animals and stuff. And then I like, you know, just make sure everyone has sunscreen and we'll reapply it for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sunscreen is such a big deal. I got suffered recently. I was like, it girl, hurts. girl, oh, I know it's horrible. Uh, fun, fun. I mean. I really enjoy programs, which is shocking to everyone I tell. Um, I like programs just because, like, you kind of just hang out with strangers, learn about them, and then never see them again. I mean, how perfect <laughs> is that? Are you so, Alan? In your um, pitch for this movie, in terms of the LPG, are you also going to talk about our uh, like one day stands that we have as well now? <laughs> I, I know, yeah. It, I understand it's a little voyeuristic, like you get a peek into their life and um, and their their psyches and yeah, you know, I, I always... mean you just never see them again, and it's like beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I so real quick, I have to interrupt. Uh, when we were at the KPMG on Sunday, I had a gentleman that came out to follow my group, and he spent the entire day screaming at my golf ball. And shouting at me, and I forget how many holes it took for me to finally blow my top. And I was like, hey, like, can I tell you something that my caddy likes to tell me? Because I'm very vocal to my golf ball, as you know very well, Angel. And he was like, the last thing they do before they put them in the box and ship them out is cut off their ears. And so I told him that's what my caddy said, and he just he just doubled down. And he, one thing he kept saying was lock up, and I'm like, my back it has. Can you just calm your titties? Like we just the ball's not going to listen to you. I I I thank you for the support. It's, it's it ain't going to happen. He's like, I played with you eight years ago in the pro am at such and such a place. So every now and again they will return. Just remember. That. Okay, noted, <laughs> noted. None of them have returned yet. So oh my gosh, okay. I was, it was like it was like the cicadas all over again for me. I was just going to wow, say that, that's, Christina. That's crazy. I've witnessed that many times um, at at tour events around um, players where they're on their sign autographs, and someone will say, "You know, uh, 
hey, uh, hey, Dustin, remember we played in that Pro-Am uh, back at Riviera in 2013? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, bro. Yeah, you had a great swing. And, you know, and like, yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I made that birdie on number six. Uh, and they go on and on and then keep walking. And Dustin's like, I have no idea who that guy was. But um, like, I've, oh, I've, yeah, I've, all the time. I've witnessed that a dozen times at least. And so, yeah, Angel, you're not out of the woods by any means. They, they're, they're coming you're back. You're still young in your career on the LPGA. Just you wait. There's going to be someone to be like, you know, Angel, I played with you in 2004. 15 or 2017 or 2000 yeah 2016 or 17 your rookie year i have no concept of time 17 17 was, was... Yeah. angel i played with you in your first lpj tour event in your first lpga pro in 2017 we had such a great time and it's just one of those times where you're like oh my god yeah we had the best time ever you have to go through your your, your own rolodex you're like okay what was the first event of the year that year and you're like oh, okay yeah. I, we were at you know um you know wherever it was we were, oh yeah it was at phoenix right you remember the 18th hole and then they'll just be like oh my god that was so crazy you're like oh my god i know and then you have to like slowly walk away be like so great to see you again just like go like this <laughs> well, so, uh you know Christi okay. uh, oh i was just gonna go say Christi christine and i played in the pro-am at lake merced like four years ago and uh, she presented me with a a signed photograph which is by my desk which i, I could run and get but it's not necessary and uh, she signed. Show it a, off. Well, it's it's like it take me thirty seconds to get there, and um, I, I walk slowly. And so, we had, there was there was some joke. Someone else in the group had used the term "donkey dick," and so that became like a. Did you say this on the podcast? It was me. Was it you? <laughs> I, I can't it was, remember. Yeah, wait, we can say this on the podcast. The I told him he sucked donkey dick. Yeah, that's oh, right. Wow. That's right. Okay. Oh, Angel, you can say anything. You, you, all, all the words you've always wanted to say your whole life, this is your chance. And so anyway, Christina signed to <laughs> signed my photo, you know, uh, dear donkey dick, thanks for a great round, whatever. And it's, so it's, it's, on, it's, it's just taped to the, the wall by my desk in a slightly discreet place. And just the other day, one of my daughters was like looking at it and said, <laughs> Dad, what does that say? I said, oh, yeah, that says donkey dick. That's a golf term. She's like, oh, okay. And, um, <laughs> anyway, it was, uh, it's lived on forever. So you may actually wind up podcasting with a pro-am partner someday, Angel. You never know where life is going to take you. That's the point of this story. Um, wow. Wow. This is, I'm looking forward to it. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> She's like, and, yeah, like yeah. whoever you played with last week, just think maybe 15 years from now, you might be hosting a podcast. Oh them. my gosh. Wait, let's actually let's drill down on your memory here, Christina, because what is is the third hole at Lake Merced? It's that steeply downhill par three. One, two, three. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. Do you remember the tee shot I hit there? No. You oh no, don't. I do, because it was an almost ace, wasn't it? Yeah, like lipped out. And I still have yeah. also on my desk a, a I got closest to the pin for the entire pro am. And that would have been because Angel, I've never, I've never made an ace, and it's kind of become like a running gag on social media. And every time some blind old lady in New Zealand makes an ace, like my Twitter blows up, and so um, people just love to haze me. But, but that <laughs> oh one like gosh. legit lipped out on the low side, and yes, yes. Um, it got very quiet for a minute. If, if that had gone in while you were there in the pro am, it, it would have been absolutely epic. So I would have taken the, off all of my clothes and rolled down the hill. It's I would have been more excited for you than you would have been because I'm like, 
finally it fucking happened and he can get off this bag because it really it's like when it does happen and i promise you it will it's, it's a huge deal but it's not that big a deal i promise you wow the fact that you would have rolled down that hill buck naked, I'm now naked, even more yeah. regret because that would have been fantastic. Oh, I would I would have lost my damn mind. Are you kidding me? It would have been but like yes, the same I actually year do that remember that one particular shot. I actually really yeah. do because I'm like, oh God, I all I almost witnessed Alan's for like first days. Oh my god. Yeah. That would have been the same year as uh Webb Simpson's win, right? The streaker when that appeared when they were getting the award presented. Oh, no, this, this is a little bit later. That was, yeah, that was at Olympic Club in, like, 2012. Can you this imagine was... it happened in the same year, Christina rolls down the hill naked, and then the streaker <laughs> comes over at the presentation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I've actually been wanting to find that guy, Jungle Bird. You know, he's out there somewhere. Like, wouldn't you love to read a story on how his life has changed since he got tossed in a bunker by Mike Davis? Like, that... There's 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 a there's a great piece to be done on on that guy and what led what in his life led him to that moment to wear that hat to heckle Webb Simpson of all people like at the U.S. Open trophy presentation like I'm I'm sort of fascinated. Wasn't there another wasn't there another streaker this year at Tory Pines? Yeah, there was a streaker at Tory that was yeah. who was he following? I forget. He got tackled like the cart almost hit him and he got thrown to the ground. But going back, I would say what happened in that guy in Jungle Bird's life is either a uh, the amount of attention paid to him compared to the amount of attention he wanted as a child were not synced up. It's probably <laughs> the best way to put it. Um, not a, not a, not a dig whatsoever. It's just, you know, maybe he, he needed some, maybe he wanted more than he was given when he was a kid is all. Cause these days I'm like, dude, get that camera out of my face, son. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, th it's actually, there was a period there, like in the two thousands when there were streakers every year at the British Open mm -hmm. coming down the last hole, yeah. the camera didn't, didn't always catch them, but, um, I was always standing there and I saw way too many naked, pasty Englishmen. And let's let's be honest, it's cold, you know, there was some shrinkage and these guys were running around and it was it was a whole thing. There's some shrinkage for this this podcast. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, sorry, continue. Well, that's the classic line about Peter Alice, you know, he was the BBC announcer and the, this is going back, I don't know, probably the 80s and there, there was a streaker and you know, now they, they don't really show them on the telecast as, as a way to try and not give the people the attention they crave per Christina's comment. But back in those days, the cameras would follow them. And, you know, this guys are running around jiggling and um, and they finally get them off there. And there's just this pregnant pause. And Alice says, what a big fuss about such a little thing. And um, <laughs> it was just all time classic Peter Alice moment. So, yeah, we've gone off like the rails here. Like a wet cashew nut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's let's bring this back. Let's let's go back to golf. So you mentioned you mentioned Angel's um, rookie year in seventeen. That was when you won in Dubai, if I'm not mistaken. And that was I remember thinking, wow, this is you were so young. Were you eighteen when you won there? Yeah, eighteen. Eighteen. I think so. Could have been 17, depending on when it fell on the calendar. But um, yeah, it was that was five years ago, and or no, four years ago. COVID time counts double. But um, so there was 
quite a big stir, just given your youth and how how well you played that week, um, and set some some big expectations. So how how did you manage that that moment in your career? And um, when you look back on that week, what, what went right, and and how are you trying to recapture that magic? Uh what went right? I mean, I just. I just played and then it wasn't like the best golf I've ever played. And, um, I didn't end up in the playoff. Um, I, I, it's just golf and it's really tough. It's, it's so tough to win a tournament. I guess I was just lucky that week because I think you can be very skilled in golf. Uh, but at the end of the day, if you were to win a tournament, it takes luck to be by your side. So I think I was just lucky. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, the skill is involved at the end of the day to win out of all those girls. Um, I think luck is involved. I mean, is there one one shot or one bounce or something that, that captures that feeling? Like, I mean, do you remember a great break you got that, that brings that to life? I don't think that I got any good breaks because I actually went in the water <laughs> on 18. <laughs> I hit it straight into the water. I hit it so hard. I just went straight into the water, and then I had a drop, hit a five iron. I nearly my eagle putt lift my my birdie putt lipped out, which you know is eagle putt is it's a birdie putt. It lipped out, and then um, went straight to playoff. But uh, yeah, coming in actually, I think I made a bogey or I missed a, no no sorry I didn't make a bogey. I made I missed a, a five footer for birdie on seventeen. So um, it was like kind of like it's really testing. It was like an earned win, um, and you really had a fought fight fight for it i want to fought for it it's just it wasn't like it wasn't very easy because i had to go i went in the water and i was like oh no no <laughs> it's tough but yeah so how do you stay patient waiting for that that next win practice do my thing that i've always done try to improve get better i mean there's so many things you can always improve on every day you're learning new things um and then just when it comes, it comes. You just have to be ready. When the opportunity is presented to you, um, you just have to be ready. And sometimes even opportunities are presented to you, there are other people involved in this. So, you know, it could be their chance and their timing. So I guess for me, it's just uh, being patient. I mean, after training pro, it has taught me more patience than ever. And uh, it's just not an easy game, especially, you know, you're competing with so many people. People think it's like if you're good, you're winning. It's not like that. I mean, everybody's good. Everybody on the LPG is good. There's no one that's bad. Just depending <laughs> on how it goes, really. Interesting. And I mean, Christina, you can you can relate to that, right? Like, I mean, you're um, you, you've had you've had a terrific career, but I know you're waiting for the next one as well. Like, how do you stay patient in, in this quest? Well, I mean, touching up on everything that Angel said, obviously, you know, it's it's a little bit different when you have every single week 143 up to 155 other girls, uh, other players that are just as hungry as you are, if not more. And sometimes it's your week and sometimes it isn't. And patience is definitely there's a reason why it's called a virtue because the amount of times even, you know, almost 20 years on tour, I'm like, but I want to be patient right now. I don't want to wait to be patient. I want to be patient right now. So there's 
a ton of internal struggles that you have to battle through. And a lot of times in order to come up on top is like, like for me, when I won um, the Lorena Ochoa Invitational presented by Banamex back in Mexico City, like it was the, the golf was not like Angel said, you sit back and it's like, well, this is bullshit because it wasn't the best golf of my life. So I didn't win. And then there are sometimes you're like, I played as well as I could. I gave it everything I had. And yet somebody still beat me by two shots, you know? Um, so for me, a lot of it was just truly finding that inner peace that I have fleeting moments of like, if I'll go on a run and have four birdies in a row or something, you get that inner peace and you're able to quell your emotions, be they good, be they bad, be they something in between. You just, you, you feel like you're, relinquishing control to the universe but you're still in full command of them at the same time so it's it's a you know it's 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 fascinating and it's interesting and it's tough but that's why we play this game because if it was something that was so easily attainable you did it all the time like I don't I I don't know if I would appreciate it in the same way you know and so you know even someone like Tiger who's had arguably the greatest career in modern day or someone like an Annika Sorensen, someone like an Envy Park. They didn't win every single week. I mean, they won most weeks, but they didn't win every single week. And so when you're able to see them be able to bounce back or take Nelly Korda, who missed the cut at the U.S. Women's Open and then went on to win the KPMG Women's PGA in the next major, like that, it, 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 it sort of expands the ability for people to see the entire spectrum of the game and the internal struggles that you encounter and things like that. So for me, a lot of it is just continuing to do all of the right things, maintaining the things I'm doing well, improve on the things that I want to improve upon, because maybe there will come a day when my next victory will be easy because everything is, you know, fitting in the slot. Everything is being struck correctly. I'm able to be emotionally stable um and i'm able to just enjoy it more and be able to say i left everything out there i am exhausted and exhilarated at the same time and oh i get i get i get a big glass cup to hold over my head and realize how heavy this shit is awesome (laughs) yeah i i i don't know what you think but i want to know what you think i i think as i've played more um i think I mean, obviously winning is great, but I think winning is also overrated at a point because it's, it doesn't define how good of a golfer you are. Like when people just go, oh, so have you won on this tour? Oh, so have you done this? It, 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 it's, it's not. I mean, like just to be on the LPGA and playing consistently for years and years, that deserves so much credit. The people are just overlooking and all for they sure. care about is win. Uh, or, you know, what did you finish top 10? That's, that deserves praise. Like, absolutely. Um, you know, like for example, F1. Everyone talks about F1 now. I know, I know a bunch of girls are obsessed. Uh, they, finishing second, getting a podium, finishing fifth, getting points. All of that is good. Like, that's what's so different. Instead of, like, just focusing on the win, like, I hate the saying, saying, like, you'll never... Uh, you never remember who won second. No, stop. Like, why are you putting so much pressure uh, to, on, on this one person just to win? And, and why why is second not good enough? They beat 
everyone else except for one person. They play so well. Why can't that deserve so much more praise? You have to win to deserve praise. That's just, I think that's ridiculous and silly to a point. Um, oh, I agree completely. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, we can blame people like, say, Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights and his dad saying, if you ain't first, you last. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to get Alan's perspective on this as well, because as a person in the media, you know, oftentimes the story is about the guy that comes out on top and the guy that wins. And it would be interesting to understand the psychology behind that, because you don't necessarily understand um, as a viewer, you know, not you in particular, Alan, but just viewers don't necessarily understand all the different complexities that come with playing tournament golf. And I think that's one reason why I've been so keen to do this podcast is because you can sit there and I will sit there. I will psychoanalyze myself. I will talk about all of the little victories that I had. And sometimes because golf is such an individual sport, you go out there and you have, you hit every shot the way that you want to. And you shoot 66. You're like, I hit every shot the way that I wanted to. There were a number of holes where I said, I'm not going to go for birdie on this hole because that's just silly. We've got, you know, eight and a half feet from the edge of the green. And then on the other side of the edge of that green, uh, we've got a hazard and, you know, I, I have a tendency to hit this kind of shot. And so trying to force that is not the right move for me. And so this hole, I'm going to, play smart i'm gonna have my two putts for par and walk off you know because a every shot hit correctly does not necessarily mean you're going to shoot 54 and then you go and you talk to someone else or like dude i scrambled around i hit it like shit i chipped in three times and i shot 64 you know and it's like so they're happy with their score and displeased with how they went about it because they had to chip in three times, whereas you hit everything that you wanted to, you walk off with a 66, they beat you by two. But does that mean that they, does that mean that your round is less satisfying than their round? You know, there's, there's so many different things where victories come in all sizes and all shapes. And, you know, the, the actual, I, I, I grew up being compared to a lot of people growing up. And so that is the one thing that I hate about tournament golf more than anything is, well, so-and-so won. And I'm like, good for her. I done did what I wanted to do. I did this. I did that. Like, I want to focus on things that I did well, as opposed to only focusing on the person that won who might be, you know, a piece of shit person, let's say, you know, as opposed to being like, well, you know, I don't sit there and advertise uh, one, I don't have my own social media person that handles two accounts, so I don't have to worry about Sam Burns's win going up on my account when he won the Valspar like Bryson does. But at the same time, I don't sit there and I don't talk about when I go to the soup kitchens. I don't talk about when I go and make donations. Like that, that's shit that's for me. Like that, 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 that's for myself, my community. I don't need to blast that kind of shit online so that people will be like, oh, wow, what a good person. I'm just like, I know I'm a good person, so I don't care about that. So the, while I do love the competition, I love head to head. The idea of you going up against the entire field, there's something about that that just has always been kind of just different to me in, um, in a lot of ways, I think. Also as, yeah, I mean, as a fan, uh, yeah, they don't have access to all that information. So the number is what they can relate to. So in their, in their mind, the 64 is better than the 66. They don't, 
they they didn't get to see every shot. They don't they don't know about the the emotional turmoil that that did or not play out. You know, for those eighteen holes. So, um, you know, to some degree, it's it's just that that's how that's how it goes in sports. It's it's the number that that people fixate on. And uh, but the job of someone like myself is to fill in the backstory, and uh, and also if used correctly, you know, as players through social media, you can you can bring people into your world a little bit, and then it does give them a little more understanding of and more context to, to think about those numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with what you're saying. Like I, I'm sort of obsessed with Kevin Streelman, who's been on the PGA tour mm. for like two decades. And I think he's won twice, but he's had an unbelievable career in his mind. And he's, he's a great interview. He's an eloquent guy. And he has one of my favorite swings. Um, and, you know, I, I talked to him at Torrey where he played well. He said, you know, it's like basically I couldn't win on this golf course. I was giving up 50 to 75 yards off the tee to most of these guys. And, and that I'm, you know, sixth place, whatever he finished was about the best he could do. And that was the, the, the comfort level he exuded. And he was proud of himself for, for grinding it out for 70 holes, 72 holes in tough conditions. And it was exactly what, what you guys are talking about. There's, there's little victories every week that you, you can celebrate as, as a player. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the folks in my profession could could do a better job of that. Uh, and um, and you know, to your point about Tiger, felt like he won every week from when he turned pro until he ran over the fire hydrant. You know, which is essentially his his prime. I think his win rate was twenty eight percent. That was it, and that's the greatest golfer ever played. Uh, ever which played se- seven out of ten tournaments. He didn't win. I mean, he was probably right there for a lot of them, but he didn't get it done. And so. And you know that's an astronomically high win rate, and uh, and even then, you know he was he was quote unquote failing more than more than seven out of ten times. So, yeah, you, I think you guys are right that you, you need more context, and um, and that that just victories alone don't don't tell everything. But uh, it is the culture we live in. I mean, that's you know everyone. Loves that's the culture a y'all live in, sweetheart. Yeah, well, it's true. I mean, that that's that's sports. I mean, it's it's a in some ways it's a zero sum game. You know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're on the, the Clippers and you're playing the Phoenix Suns, I mean, there's only one outcome that's going to be satisfying to your fan base. And, um, you know, golf is a little different, but, uh, I don't know. I think, I think there's definitely something to be said for those, those, those players who do it year after year. I mean, and you, you know, you fall into that category, Christina, you've been out there forever. And, um, you know, Dude, I like, had a Dodge Dinosaur as my rookie year. Like, it was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think there's a greater appreciation for the the grinders, if you will, than, than maybe you guys even uh, have tapped into. And, uh, you know, I wrote, a, I wrote a story about Pat Perez a few years ago. And at that point, he'd only won basically once in his career. and he, But he's kept his card every single season on the PGA Tour, which is a highly underrated achievement without mm-hmm. the victory exemptions. And um, that story got a big response because um, I, I think I think the, go- the, the more sophisticated golf fans do recognize that it, it's a grind and it's a struggle and that those who can who can persevere year after year, there is a respect there. And uh, ho- hopefully you guys feel that it, as you go, that there is there is more than just just the wins. But um, it, it's just, an interesting. Yeah, I, I just feel like um, we can expand on it a little bit more instead of just like you know, this 
talking about the win like it's the holy grail because you know like for example f1 um, a win is great but also people who get podiums people who finish fourth accumulating points is also very high up there and highly praised so it's pretty cool to see that instead of just you have to win and it's an individual sport it's not a team sport Agreed. it's a team sport because there's a team behind it but we also have a team uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, it's just, you know, a thought. It's obviously very different in golf because uh, it's so individual. Um, but, you know. Real quick, Angel, the next time someone asks you how many wins do you have on the LPGA Tour, you can just look at them and very sweetly say, I'm still waiting on my first one. How many do you have? How many years have you been on tour? <laughs> <laughs> or no, why don't you, why don't you tab- tabulate your podiums? You could be like, well, I have, I have 19 podiums, so... That would, they would be a little confused, but that might be a good way to wiggle out of the conversation. I don't know what, what you are talking about, but okay. <laughs> but um, well, no, I'm saying if you, if you took your top threes or whatever, like you could come up with your own metric. Or uh, um, oh, also, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm interested that that there's there's a there's a, a whole bunch of LPJ players who are following Formula One. Is 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 this a thing that I was unaware of? Uh, I don't know if it's really a thing. Uh, I've always liked racing race cars, so I was, you know, always kind of sort of following it. And, and then I went to my first race, and then I got more involved, learned more about it. And then the race to survive, I think, that came on Netflix just was a huge hit, and everyone's just obsessed now. <laughs> I know who Lewis not- Hamilton is, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, if if you on Saturday morning at at an LPG event, are people talking about like what's going no, on in, okay, the, in the race? No, 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 no. We're not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay. Well, I'm trying to gauge the, the the depth of the obsession here. So. No, not not very deep. It's just on the surface. <laughs> <laughs> so. All right, we've we've talked about your um your bonsai videos. Like I, I do, I do love the rituals of of the traveling golfer because it's a lot of time on the road and you have to maintain your sanity. Like what are some of the other ways that you get through the week? Do you have, um, do you have certain things and certain people that you, you kind of gravitate towards, uh, any, any given tournament week? Uh, it's tough because sometimes in, in the tournament week, you don't even see some people and they are playing that week and you're like, Whoa, like, you know, it's funny. Jin Young, Jin Young Ko, who was, you know, number one in the world. Um, she was like, Angel, I haven't seen you in a while. I was like, oh, I've been playing the same term as you've been playing. She goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's been over a month since I last saw you. Actually, it was two months. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I know. It's it's freaking crazy. It's it's so crazy. Because you could just be playing the same times, no, same tournament, but because of you're on different ways. And then because of your different practice schedules. We absolutely do not see each other. And, and it's it's very common. So it's very hard to hang out with someone. Um, and, and you're obviously really tired. Golfing is not easy just because it doesn't seem as a very active sport. You're not running around. And, you know, um, we don't typically look like you're an everyday athlete. But it's more of like a mental strain that you don't see. Uh, we, we go there before the sun comes out. And then sometimes we leave when the, when the sun leaves as well. You know, so... We're out there for a long period of time, and our body is constantly changing. Um, you know, every environment's different. Uh, traveling to this city is different. We aren't able to have access to things we want to. For example, um, you know, when I played Meyer, there was no 
Whole Foods. I had to go find farmers market to like you know because you know there's some certain stuff I can eat, there's certain stuff I can't eat. So it's very different, and we're travel traveling constantly. So our body clock is completely messed up. So there's a lot of internal strain and stress that you don't see. Um, but yeah, uh, I forgot your question, but. I am going to talk about what that What do you now. do is what he was basically saying. No, no well, you answered it. That's perfect. Yeah. Tell, tell me about the food stuff. This interests me. So, I mean, uh, what obviously you're looking for healthy, organic, uh, whole foods, but is it that hard to find in certain towns? Um, yeah, so I after the pandemic hit, I've always liked to just cook at home. Um and I've always gone takeout regardless to where I was in tournament. I just don't like to go out and sit there and wait. So I like to just get takeout and then bring it to my room and eat. But now the pandemic hit, I was like, mom, I want to buy a pot. I want to like cook my own food. And they're just <laughs> stuck. My mom was like, okay, you can do whatever you want. So I usually go to Whole Foods, buy some veggies, buy some meat, and then cook it up. Um, and then and that's pretty much my, my routine. Uh, why do I say Whole Foods? I just think their meat quality is a little bit better than what you buy at Walmart uh, or Meyer. <laughs> Not that, you know, they're bad, they're edible still, but that's what I usually just go to. And they have all my stuff. Like, I can't really eat a lot of gluten because um, I just react poorly to it. Um, so it's just easier. It's easy. Like, I don't have to go to Whole Foods, uh, but it's just easy because it's just like, you know what you're getting. You go in and out. I don't need to look for things. Meyer's huge. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's like a little city. Walmart, huge. Target, huge. It's, it's just tough. Like, it's very stressful. I want to go into a supermarket, know exactly where things are, be out in, like, 15 minutes. And that's it. Like, but, you know, going to my, like going to a big supermarket, you're in there for a solid 30, 30 minutes because most of the 25 minutes you're doing is walking. <laughs> you have no idea where things are. Yeah, well, the, yeah. The, str the struggle is real. I mean, I, I get it. You know, I, I travel yeah. a lot as well. It's so. the small details because we only have 24 hours in a day and we need to rest. So it's just little things here and there. I mean, obviously we can adapt. That's what we're, that's what we're good at. We're golfers. We adapt. We're constantly from one city to another before we're unpacking, we're repacking already. Um, so that's what we do. But no, it's just it's just things like that. You know, when you play an event like, um, let's just say basketball, you play a home game and an away game. You're not really traveling that much, and you know you have time. Given like, yeah, they are. You know, I don't understand their sport, but there's a certain amount of time they just need to play. Where we we need to play from Monday to Sunday. There's no question. Like, people be like, oh, so when does your tournament start? Thursday. Oh, so you're free. No, I'm not free. We get in Sunday <laughs> night. We're preparing for our stuff. Monday, we get into business. Tuesday, we're getting into business. Wednesday, we have pro-am. Thursday, Friday, we play golf. Cut. We make Saturday, Sunday. Boom, we're on a flight again. Next mm -hmm. place. It's, Absolutely. It's very different. We're constantly on the go. It's like working a nine, nine to eight, nine to seven job without stopping constantly. They have weekends. We don't have weekends. Our weekends are more stressful than you can ever imagine. <laughs> and um, yeah, our weekends are our travel days and the day where you're spending the most time working on your stroke, working on your swing, trying to fix shit so that once the tournament does roll around, the tournament days can be looked upon as the easy days in your week. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, because your first three days, you're prepping, you're you're drawing out your game plan, and then you're like, okay, what do I do need to do next, right? And then, uh, all right, did I do everything that I can prepare myself for for this week's event? And then when the tournament rolls around, you're not practicing as much. You're just playing, and it's less stress. It's like less stressful on the body, like time consuming, because you're just out there for a certain amount of time, and then you go back to your room. But you're already being drained before the week starts so you have to conserve your energy it's, it's just a, there's a lot and then you know sometimes we have tournaments from LA and you fly all the way to let's just say California and they fly all the way to New York and then you fly all the way back to Texas and then you fly all the way up to New York again the traveling is it's not something we can control because of the tournaments where it's held and our scheduling obviously if we're scheduled closer to each other you know that's like a blessing but mm. sometimes it just doesn't work out like that and when Asia hits, it's even more worse because you're going from Thailand, Singapore to, to, to we're just hopping countries constantly. Um, because like it's funny because my friend would text me and she'd be like, "So, so Singapore, how's Singapore?" I was like, "Oh, Singapore's done. I'm in Thailand right now." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then and then a few days later she'd be like, "So how's how's Thailand? Thailand's done. I'm in I'm in LA. <laughs> it's like we're like this all the time. There's no there's no um, there's no stopping. So." I think that's why it's 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 not as easy as people think it is. And so, right. and I, so, so small this details pod- like the Whole Foods. This podcast is not a ringing endorsement for a young woman thinking about the LPGA as a career. I mean, you guys make it sound you gotta tell as them tough the truth. as it is. So no, you got to tell them the truth so they know what they're getting themselves into. I mean, a lot of people have tested the, the tour life and they have said no. I mean, I have multiple friends that I played junior golf with and now they're like, how is this life? It seems like it sucks. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's, it's fun. I love it. Cause I love golf in general, but I was like, you are right. It does suck at times. That's why you have to plan it out. Uh, that's well, and that's out. the thing, you know, like what Angel was saying, you know, about the fact that, you know, when you do step into a mire, one, it's, um, you know, only a, a small section of the country, has them you know more in the uh like the mitten of michigan and you know in some places like in ohio i think maybe indiana um and they're they're legitimately ginormous and and if you're looking for more than just groceries you're just like oh i'm gonna go i'm gonna get my groceries i can go get the backhoe i'm gonna go get me some tommy hilfiger shirts and you know i'm gonna you know (laughs) purchase this electronic and then i'm gonna go and buy a tractor like you know it's 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 great in that sense but to Angel's point, you know, when you when you are limited with the amount of time that you have in a day, you really want to be as efficient as possible. You know, just like anybody, it, it, it would be similar to like for me, I hate it when I have to stay in, say, an Airbnb because that's 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 my life now um as opposed to a hotel that's more than 17 minutes away from the golf course because it's it's just you know if i'm staying somewhere 35 minutes away that's an additional 36 minutes outside of what my preferred comfort zone would be that i would allot for time to transit to and from the golf course you know and and we're doing our best to try and make sure we get about eight hours of sleep a day some days you need more, especially if it's something that's more taxing on your body, something that where it's even hotter, where it's hillier. And so your body is going through these stresses. So you have to make sure that you're accommodating your recovery in the same manner. So time is even more constrained. And because you'll sit there and have every girl hit nine chip shots on every hole in a practice round, 
unless you're teeing off at like 3.30 in the afternoon, you're not going to encounter a four-hour 18-hole practice round. You know, Even if you go first off, by the time you make it to the turn, you're going to have to deal with the players that went off the back nine, and they're all hitting nine chip shots, each person, every hole. And so that slows down days like the practice round days. So you have to allot a certain amount of time to standing and waiting. And so it, um, you know, I, to, to Angel's point, one, obviously you want to be aware of what you're putting into your body. Um, I wish I knew that cause I would have told you about the D and W it's like a fresh market. That's just across the street from, um, the Meyer back over in uh, Grand Rapids. It's like three and a half, four miles from the golf course, uh, for the future. And then, you know, you just, you just want to be able to make sure that you're not feeling like you're wasting time because time man-made construct, the concept of it, but it is fleeting, you know, and we have to try and do as much as we can so that we can have the feeling of as much free time as possible because it can uh, weigh you down if you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, I have to drive another, you know, 18, 19 minutes every day just to get to the golf course. And it's not like you should be on your phone when you're in your car, you should be focused on the road. And as you're in the car, you're like, oh man, like I can feel my back tightening up. So I got to make sure I get to the course to get my physical therapy and things like that. So there, 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 I, I completely understand where Angel is coming from in that sense. Like it, it, just like anything in life, there are deeper meanings and there are more, um, uh, more, there's more thought that goes into it other than, you know, you, you're, it's going to take you 30 minutes instead of 15, that, that, those 15 minutes in a single day, when you whittle it down are precious. So I'm with you girl. Yeah, yeah. I get it. All right. So let's, <laughs> let, let's flip this around a little bit. Like give me your favorite thing about golf and your happiest memory in golf. This might, this might be a good mic drop to end this podcast. Like we, we've, we've talked about the difficulties and the challenges, but let, let, let's go out with some joy here. Like it could be one single swing. It could be just a, a whatever makes <gasps> you happiest. I, I want to know your most embarrassing moment on a golf course, actually. Angel. Oh gosh. Um, Usually I just like hide it in my archives because it's like gone. <laughs> <laughs> I'll share uh, mine with you afterwards, I promise. Oh man. Um <sighs> the US Open I shanked it because the rough was so damn long. Uh and I Oh nearly... humble brag, your hazel yeah. made contact with the ball in the rough. <laughs> Such a humble brag. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Some not... people I mean, like... hey, that happens. That doesn't count. We need we need we need you go darker. Wait, hold that. on, let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, I shanked it, and then my caddy's friends that were there watching me, I nearly freaking just took them out because <laughs> they were they were sitting on uh, uh, on the side of um, you know some benches, and I was just kind of close, but they weren't paying attention. I shanked it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, no, the only people that have ever watched me, like I'm about to freaking take their head off. <laughs> but thank God it was over the head. I mean, like, like, like here. Oh, and I was so it like, wasn't like the, it wasn't the perfect shank. It had some, it had some loft on it too. Oh, there was some loft on it, but it was oh, more okay. embarrassing because I was like, well, I almost killed them. And Olympic is not an easy course to walk. And, you know, they've taken their day, most of the day to walk with us. And I was like, oh, I, uh, uh, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I'm to take them out. So that's the most recent thing. I was like, 
Look down. Just look down. I'm sorry. Okay, look down. <laughs> so you had to walk sorry. right past him to get to your ball. So what do you say in that moment? I just, ah, I walked away. Because <laughs> they weren't really my friends, but I like, was. I, I said <laughs> hi to them. But they were my caddy's friends. So I, I, I was just like, run away. Run, run. Keep your head down. Just play. So it was that. I was really embarrassed. I was like, this is oh. so bad. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, well, Christina? What yours? What's your most? Yeah. Uh, well, one I don't really. I think I wasn't really equipped with the uh, the the emotion of embarrassment or shame. Um, but the best one that I could come up with was we were in Atlantic City for the Shoprite LPJ Classic. This must have been in two thousand and six. I think Angel, you might have been five, or you might have been four I mean, a or something I was like a that. Yeah, you were. <laughs> um, um, and I had the first tee time in the afternoon for the first round, and I like to get to the golf course. I was staying on site at the hotel at the golf course, not on the the, the villas in the back of the range where I, I started domiciling lately, but at the actual physical hotel. And I was, um, you know, it was one of my skinny years, as I like to say, and I went to the golf course with the bag on my back and I put the bag down. I was, I was wearing Jay Lindeberg. It was one of the first years that they supplied women with golf clothes. And, um, you know, it was like very much in the Camilla Vajegas, uh, sort of height of, you know, that whole look, yes. you know, of the strong, the tight white pants that you're like, are they waterproof or do they just look like they're waterproof? And I, um, was going to start putting. And so I had these tight white sort of like, you know, above the knee length shorts that were pretty tight and not a lot of give. And, and so I was like, okay, well, whatever. I'm just going to go grab my balls and start putting. So I, I dropped low, you know, as though I was at the club and my short split from belly button to the top of my ass crack. And the only thing keeping my pants on my body was my belt and the button of the pants. Wow. And so I just, and, but again, I, I like to get to the golf course early. I was the first tee time in the afternoon. I clamped in the front. I clamped in the back. I waddled back and I changed into something that was um, a lot less starch and a lot more comfortable. And then where, well, there we go. Like there was no one there to see the cooter or oh, anything like that. But dang. it was, uh, yeah, that was probably the closest I ever got. But I was like, ah, nobody died. And I was like, and this way I get, you know, nine grand, nine ounces less of luggage I have to carry around. I'm like, fuck these things, you know, obviously the fashion, the materials, everything has changed quite dramatically since then. But like, yeah, back then it was, it was like wearing sheets of plastic, um, cute ass clothes. Don't get me wrong. I still, I, I still wore their stuff and I still love their stuff. I was like, yeah. Okay. So you girl, uh, yeah, nah. I either got to keep losing some more weight or we're going to have to, you know, maybe reassess the style in which I am wearing my bottoms because otherwise people are going to see my bottom. <laughs> that I mean, just is, imagine that if that something. happened. Imagine if that happened like on the 14th hole, like when you're actually playing your round. That would have, I mean, what would, you, would do? you WD? What would you do? Oh. Bitch, I keep playing. I'd be like, everybody's equipped with the same shit. Yeah, I mean, come on. Act I, like I you haven't seen WD. one of those before. Yeah. Go I get mean, me a pair well, of pants. Hopefully no, no, don't have rain pants in the in in the bag. But how hard would it be to swing the club? Like you would, I don't know. That'd be, that'd well, be hard. I mean, clearly you're having to deal with some restriction in certain <laughs> parts of your body, anyways, for the pants to rip. I have had 
um, another time a pair of pants that had the, that they did rip on uh, during the round. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, dude, I was like, I could I feel so much more explosive. Like it wasn't belly button ass crack, but there was definitely a tear there. And I was like, Meh, I don't care. Wait, were you were you going commando or did you have underwear when the belly button ass crack happened? They were white shorts. So what am I going to do? Wear some cute leather printed uh, boy shorts? Nah. I mean, you could go. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, and that's the thing. You can't wear white underneath white because it looks even more stark. And this was still back in the day when panty lines were very, very obvious. So, no. No, it was just, I was just like, nice, cool breeze. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to go change my shit and then come back out. I was like, thank God I started early. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. What about you, Alan? Do you have anything embarrassing? Um, I mean, for this... When I think about it, my heart still pounds. This is actually in my as as in my job, not as a player, but the 2015 Open Championship when Jordan Spieth had a chance to win the Grand, you know, third leg of the Grand Slam, and I was running around at the old course, and he was playing the road hole, you know, on Sunday, and crowds were huge. There was a lot going on. I was there was kind of like this little island. If you're if you're looking at the 70th hole at St Andrews, it was sort of short and left of the green. Uh, behind the, the 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 first green and uh, I was stationed there there's like a little tv tower and probably wasn't supposed to be there but it was a good vantage point and speed misses his putt on 17 he goes to the 18th hole he still has a chance to win there's a, a lot happening and in my mind he was in the last group and it seemed like the easiest way for me to get over to the 18th tee was to cut in front of the 17th green and just loop back around to the 18th tee and I just bolted. What I failed to account for was there was a group behind him playing the 17th hole. And Louis Wusthuizen was like over his ball, about to hit. And I like cut in front of the green and he had to back off. And I, I just kind of glanced over my shoulder and realized what was happening. It was, I was already fully committed at that point. So I just kept going. And there was a giant grandstand behind the 17th green and everyone was yelling at me and pointing me like, get out of the way, asshole. And like, I can see, I can see their snarling faces, which was deserved because I was completely clueless as to like, I was, I was interrupting the the British open at like at a critical moment. On the 71st hole, you asshole. Somehow the cameras didn't catch me. You know, they were focused on Louis, they were focused on Jordan and but I didn't know that in the moment. I was expecting to get like expelled by the RNA. And, but I also think about what if Louis had hit his shot and it's like trundling up to the green and I like kicked it into the bunker because I, like it would have been the biggest screw up in the history of golf journalism. And I would have been shamed forever and rightfully so. I mean, it was just, I just hey. complete, total space cadet move. And it still stresses me out thinking about it, you know, six years later. But he backed off his shot. The cameras didn't catch me. The RNA missed it. And But when I was I was running up the 18th fairway trying to catch Spieth, thinking, oh, my God, my world could just end right now. And I've, my heart's never pounded like that, ever. Uh, and I still can feel the residual, like, stress from that moment. So I mean, there's I mean, so I've, many people there. And, and, yeah, and it's a PGA it Tour event. They heckle people. Oh, no. And that grandstand behind 17 Green was probably the biggest one on the course. I mean, there must have been 10,000 people mm-hmm. shouting at me and, like, calling me a wanker and whatever. And I, 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 I deserved it for sure. But, oh, my God, it was, it was horrible. That's tough. So, 
That was tough. The yeah. only thing I'm concerned about was I don't remember that shot. How close did Louis hit it? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I mean, he was he was right there. I I don't even know because I was just like full like look down, don't make eye contact with anyone, trying to be invisible. It was it was, it was horrible. So. Um, well, I remember in 2000 and God, this is so long ago. Oh nine. Because it was when we were writing that book, Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the Women's Open. I was in the final pairing in the final round with Katrina Matthew, who ended up pretty much running away with the victory. And I, I might have been on Saturday, to be honest. I was playing really well and had to go and use the portable toilets. And, you know, you're sat there with like, you know, you've got your long pants on. You've got your, your golf shirt. You've got your sweater on top of it. Sometimes you're wearing your rain jacket. You've got your whole rain suit going. And like your girl, like I, I have been born with a uh, shelf up top and it's just something I've always done is like I take my shirt and I roll it up over my boobs. So I'm just like, I, in case I need to see what's going on or something, I don't know. I just, it's something I've always done every single time that I, that I use the the, the toilet and I did that. And then I was like, all right, well, we got to go this, that, whatever, whatever, you know, so you put on your pants and you put on your rain pants, you zip everything up. I walked out of there with my shirt just up over my titties like, <laughs> and, were there and fans were there and I was just like, what? And my caddy at the time, Andy Dearden's like, just kind of looking at me like, uh, and I looked down, I was like, oh, shit, sorry. <laughs> That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 like, yeah. That's- Actually, I have, a, I have another embarrassing moment. I was playing in the first Tee Open, which is a senior tour event where there's obviously senior tour players and there's amateurs and there's first Tee Kids. Uh, it's uh, a great. Champions tour players. Yeah, it's always a senior tour to me. Just like <laughs> it's always going to be the Dinah Shore classic. And, and I, they're I always going to be spectators, not patrons, yada, yada, yeah, yada. I'm, I'm not down with the corporate names. And um, so I was playing with Alfonso Ribera, you know, the actor Carlton mm-hmm. on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And he's a good player and a total grinder. Like he cares too much. And I was, I just, I was struggling with my game and he was up in my business and just trying too hard and whatever. And so we're on the 14th hole at Pebble Beach and I, I hit an incredible shot into 13 and, and then missed like, um, you know, a three footer and was just marinating in the self-loathing, hit a bad drive off 14. And there was a porta potty kind of in the, the dog leg there. And so I, I went into the bathroom and I was like pounding the wall. And I was like this, this spewing profanity, just so like frustrated and mad at myself. And like, I just kind of lost my mind. And I opened the porta potty and Alfonso's waiting, waiting to, to use it. And his eyes were like saucers. He's like, my partner is an actual madman. <laughs> and I was like, it was so embarrassing. Like I thought I was all alone because there's no one within a hundred yards of that space. You know, it's kind of a player's only uh, bathroom. And, I was like, oh god! The last like you know, four and a half holes were just dead silent. Like he he was like, this guy is this idiot, and he wasn't wrong. So I don't know. I think one that says more about him than it does about you. And I would have probably looked at him and been like, sometimes pushing isn't enough, I guess, and just walk out of there. (laughs) I didn't even have the presence of mind to make a poop joke. That's how that's how far (laughs) gone I was. Poop's always funny. Come on. Um, it is. Well, real quick, if we're talking about porta potties, so Angel, you know when you when you when you or anyone that's watching that's ever used one of those, uh, you know, portals to the uh, uh, 
afterlife. You know how when you open the doors to the porta potty, when they close, you have the two little metal things that, like, before a tournament starts, they always put a zip tie around. Yes. It's like a little metal hook where they used to lock it from the outside. For sure. Okay. Yeah. If you're ever playing with someone and want to, like, fuck with them, take a tee and stick the tee in the two little metal rings so that the door will be locked. And then they'll try and open it. And it won't open. They'll try and shove it open. It won't open. They'll have to kick it down. And then when they get out, you just be like, oh, my God, is it that bad in there? <laughs> I did that Th- to Becky genius. Morgan years ago when we were – and it was at the State Farm Classic years ago. And we were paired with Annika Sorenstam. And I did oh, that okay. to her. And, and she was she she was mortified. She was very, very angry with me. I thought it was the funniest thing ever. That, I was, just, I was so funny. proud of myself. Yeah, that is pretty funny. Yeah, so don't ever so, use a porta potty if I'm in a practice round with you, because you know what's going to happen. <laughs> so poor Angel thought we were going to come here and talk about like the Solheim Cup and you know actual golf things. We we've <laughs> this yeah, is we how talked it goes, about though. a lot of actual golf things. We complained. No, we didn't complain, but we talked about the struggles more than the. We time. laid out yeah one well, aspect but it was real. of yeah. tour golf. Yes. Yeah. 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 But um. This is the kind of discursive stuff that that I think is coming to uh, define this podcast for better and for worse. But I feel like we should probably release the listeners. Like we've been going for a long time here. Um, any, you any always party... say that. Like you, you, you. Ser- it's like seriously. You said that you say release them as though it's some sort of like uh, they've been serving their prison sentence, and all of a sudden they get Bill Cosby. <laughs> like, come on. Oh God, that's that's dark. Let's not even go there. Um, but oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> I'm. I'm just. I'm. 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 You know. I'm. I'm. I guess I'm. Value yourself, but... Alan. These are people that have committed to spend time with us, and 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 you know, value yourself. You matter in this world, Alan. I promise you. I just. I don't want to. I don't want to exploit that trust, and and you know, keep them here too long. Do you actually have to um... go poo? Is that what happened? <laughs> no. No. I don't want to talk about that, Christina. He he directed the conversation to. <laughs> porta potties and poop and then uh and now he's like we should leave because i can go poop <laughs> now none of this is hey, true. everybody even beyonce poos is the way that i see it ain't no shame about it everybody does it i'm gonna go do it in a little bit shit why not was, pass some time answer that... some of the trolls that that holler at me on social media that's when i try and dedicate it twitter was that kid... right yeah there was that what kids is... movie oh go ahead sorry go ahead Angel. no you go ahead what kids movie where the Easter Bunny, its poop was actually jelly beans, and um, which was kind of clever and funny. But my and kids horrifying like, if you're a child. Horrifying. My kids didn't eat jelly beans for years after that. Well, I used to have bunnies, and when we would let them out, uh, probably a couple more times than I should have. Every single time, I was like, "Oh, we got raisins just laying around at the house." They were never raisins. We never ate raisins. I don't know why I thought there were raisins in the house. That's that's dark. Also, did you eat it? Oh yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing. More than one occasion, we never had raisins, and I was always like, "Why do we got raisins on the floor? I don't want to waste food. That's not food." It was at one point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean... Oh my god! Wow, we learned something new. That's actually pretty funny and interesting, and a good story to tell. That's a good story to tell, like your childhood story. That's like a perfect story. Yeah. We was all stupid when we was kids, the way that I see it. It is true. It, I'll talk true. about next time on one of these other episodes, I'll talk about the time I had to swallow. I not had to. I ended up swallowing a nickel and thought I was going to die. But that's for another episode. 
Um, that, that's a perfect teaser. That, that'll bring the people <laughs> back right there. Yeah, that, right? that's yeah. the one. That's the one. The one time that I ate a nickel. Alan um, releases them, but then you bring them back. Yeah, exactly. Right. Alan, Alan is the shank, and I'm the recovery shot that, that puts him to two feet from inside of the trees. And it's like, son yeah. of a bitch, we got to keep coming back. <laughs> Speaking well, of which, wrong. partnering, are you playing Dow? So I had... I was going to play Dow with Haley Moore because she's my girl and I'm like her tour mom. And then uh, there was a possibility of me maybe doing some uh, possible commentary during the week of Dow at a golf tournament at Royal St. George's. And because I couldn't, because of the the time in which I had to commit, I was unable to commit to it. So she is going to be actually playing with Alana Uriel. Um, so okay. I will, uh, I will not be playing Dow. I'll be taking the week off prior to Evian, and then uh, I will see you at Evian, though. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Are That's you playing? Cool. Huh? Are you playing? Yes, I am. Are you playing with? Let me guess. Lil, uh, Lily, uh, uh. uh Lizette. <laughs> no. No, I am not. She actually she's actually playing with uh she's actually playing with actually Buhai. I I'm playing she... with Brittany Altamari. Oh my oh, god, nice. how fun. Yeah, I know, I'm really, really excited. I Oh my god, really... you could be you could be Team Abba because it's Angel and Brittany Altamari. You could be Team Abba. Oh, that's really cool. And then have Dancing Queen it. as your song coming up and you're like, I've never heard that song. I'm <laughs> Thanks. What is this ancient music? No, um, <laughs> no, no. So our team name, we actually just came up because we couldn't come up with a name. And then it was just like to a point where like, that's actually really clever, the ABBA. But we we just it was like to a point where like, um, <laughs> I don't know anymore. So I just was like, we should just call it Endgame because I think that's what we are. We're Endgame. Uh, it's pretty strong. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. It's for, now I don't want to play think. against you guys. Huh? You might like disappear half the field. Like uh, that's intimidating. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just thought it was really cool. So our name is Endgame, and I don't know where our walk-up song is going to be. I mm. um, couldn't think of anything. Someone suggested Taylor Swift Endgame, but I don't know. I, I, yeah, no. So and then there's a really good song with the Endgame, but it's just too gangster. I don't know. It is. I, I don't know if they're going to allow the music. It's. Uh, Two of the most wanted in America by Tupac and uh, I think Snoop. That's, that's uh, yeah. yeah that's you can get the 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 edited version of it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, I know uh, when I played a couple years ago, we had California Love as as our walk up song. Uh-huh. Um, I want to do Down with the Sickness by Disturbed as my like as my walk up song in my next Solheim Cup, and I want it to play while I'm teeing off so that like like it goes wow right at impact like that's like i got it all planned out like now i just Dang, do the whole golf thing like yeah this is it and you, you guys should be free to play whatever you want as long as there are no swearsies and if there are then they can just get the edited version but what do you think what do you think would be a good walk-up song any suggestions um i don't know i mean i would i would uh i'll have to i'll have to brainstorm that and then i will get back to you how does that sound sounds great then i will as alan would like to say release our listeners and say thank you for listening to the latest episode of full send with christina kim alan shipnuck and 
Angel Yen. Yes, you got it. That's yeah. a wrap. Thank That's you so awesome. much for being with us, Angel. And Alan, you're about to, you got snapped, so you got to go. Go poo. <laughs> Why does it always come back to that? Because uh, poo's time. never not funny. You don't, you have, have to, you have to charge your laptop. No, I have a very important typing to do. There's no pooping. Also, it's poo. There's no P at the end. Poo is sweet and innocent. <laughs> I'm leaving. You guys can keep talking about this stuff. I'm out. I'm, I'm pressing leave. No, but thank you for having me. It's it's been fun. Uh, it's obviously always great to talk to you, uh, Christina. And, and you, Angel. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, we you're out. awesome. <laughs> <laughs>